What's up, y'all? This is our first, like, tandem Facebook Live as we're driving. I'm, I'm driving. I'm not holding the phone, guys. So this is safe. Safety first. Uh, so right now, we are driving to Portland for the Portland Business Journal Fastest Growing Company Awards. It'll be pretty cool. So, yeah. We, uh... We made the top 100 fastest growing private companies in Oregon again last year. According to their list, we were 19. Um, Inc. Magazine rated us the fifth fastest growing company in Oregon, fastest growing software company. But I think we'll be somewhere in the, we should be in the top 50, so we'll, we'll let you guys know where we are. And that's because you guys have been awesome. It's been an awesome run. We're five and a half years into the business and uh, based in rural Oregon, team of about 24 or 25 people. And uh, we're the fast growing software company, so we'll see if we can't keep it up uh, this next year. But we're gonna we're gonna answer some questions. So usually on Thursdays we have Ask Carrot. Usually it's in, in my office in the big fancy uh, cameras and all the cool setup and all that. We are going Trevor Truck Talk style today. We're doing a Trevor Truck Talk takeover. That's right. Uh, that's a lot of teas. Trevor lot Truck of Talk tees. takeover. It's a lot of alliteration. Um, so we're doing that today. And if you guys listen to the podcast, if you listen to the Carrot Cast. Every once in a blue moon these days, probably once a month maybe, I do a Trevor Truck Talk. And the way that those started was kind of cool. I was actually driving up from Klamath Falls, Oregon, uh, back to Roseburg. And I had a thought in my mind, and I wanted to make a podcast out of it. And usually, this is a good lesson for all of us, but usually I would kind of have this, um, I would have this mind block thinking, shoot, I've got to actually get in the studio, and I've got to like use my fancy microphone so it sounds good. And I said, well, what if I just record it on my cell phone and upload it uh, as a podcast with really almost no editing? I mean, just probably balancing stuff and cutting out the traffic sound or whatever. Uh, and we'll see if, if that's going to be just as good. And people love the Trevor Truck Talks because they're straight from the heart. They're usually something I'm thinking about in that moment, something I'm going through. Um, so I'm going to do more of them, but that's what this is right here. So... Definitely gonna dive in on this just like normal. Ask Carrie, gonna answer questions, and I, I know Brady's got some questions kind of seated. Um, we'll answer them. It could be anything about how to build a business. It could be how do you come up with an idea for a business. It could be about uh, routines. I'll tell you about how bad some of mine are and how good some of them are, and we can share our wins and losses together. Uh, anything at all is on the table for for uh, for this Ask Carrot guys. So if there's anything that you're wanting to improve in your business or improve in your life, throw the question at me. If I've got some knowledge, if I've got some insight into that from my own world, I will give it to you, including if I'm struggling with the same thing. I'll let you that. I'll let you know that too. But Brady, what have we got, man? All right, here we go, dude. So we're going to do a little rapid fire, little rapid fire random questions. So uh, this is my question, something I want to ask you. So a lot of house flippers, investors, agents, I hear people say all the time, it's hard to find good help. You can't find any good help. And this actually stemmed from a question that Mason on our team asked. Yep. So, I'll do Mason's question first. Said, Everyone who works at Carrot seems to be superstars. A little bit of, a little bit of bragging. Uh, do you think that's because you only hire winners, or is it because your work environment and culture inspire people to be winners? This isn't supposed to be self-glorifying, serious yeah. question, but sure. do you hire them as is? Oh, uh, that, that, that's a good question, man. I mean, I know... And, and, and I've, I've had a lot of these kind of things ingrained in me too where you always hear those things like Brady said that you can't find good help. Um, and, and shoot, you know, my, my mom can attest to this you know, growing up in, in family business that there were a lot of times and finding good help was really, really hard. And when we, when we would have good help, sometimes they, 
it would do wacky things like someone uh, multiple people stole from the family business and so it makes it really hard to want to go find good help but oftentimes as entrepreneurs we think well shoot if it's if I'm going to do this I've got to do it myself you know uh, that, that's that's a very common quote of if you want it done right do it yourself and and uh, I used to think the same thing and I used to think well shoot you know what, I'll do all the important stuff and I'm going to have like outsourcers. I'm going to have VAs do all the other stuff that's just busy work, you know. And I hired my first VA. She's in New York. Her name is Christina Lemmy. If you're watching this, Christina, what's up? I hired her, I think it was back in 2009 or something like that. And and she really proved me wrong that I paid her well. I wasn't looking for a deal. Okay, that's the first lesson there, guys, is if you're looking for a deal, if you're looking to, to get the best discount on a person, you're going to get a discounted person. And I learned that lesson many, many times. So that's the first thing is a lot of businesses try to hire way lower on the pay scale than they should. And I've been in there too. And we're now getting our, our salaries um, up even, you know, my, my aim, I heard this from a mentor of mine is he said, you don't ever, you don't need to be paying the most in the market. You need to be paying 80% of the bell curve. And he said, if you pay 80% of the bell curve, that attracts the right people. Um, they're going to get paid well for it. Give them some good incentive. Um, but he said, you know, 80% of the bell curve is what you need to pay. And now I'll answer the rest of it. So uh, I think I think we, we attract the right person because we have a vision, right? People that want to do important things, they want to know where they're going. They want to be a part of something um, bigger than just the task they're doing. They want to be a part of something. They want to be a part of doing something that matters. And I think that's something that early on in Carrot we, we latched onto that we said, you know, from my previous business background, I didn't want to do anything anymore that didn't matter. I didn't want to do anything anymore that at my gut I didn't feel purpose and passion for. So I think inherently that rubs off on people when you're hiring, when you're doing content like this. The best people be attracted, they're attracted to the message. My message is never, hey, the work's going to be easy. My message is usually the work's going to be hard. Uh, but are you up for the challenge to learn and grow with us to, to tackle this big mission? Uh, the next thing is our, our interview process, man. The first handful of people I hired. Um, I didn't really have a good interview process. I wasn't hiring on culture. I was hiring on skill set. And what happens when you hire on skill set is you try to get a deal. Once again, you're, you're going, okay, I have this thing I need done. This is how much per hour I'm willing to pay for it. I'm just trying to find the person who's willing to do the work. And what you find, what, you, what happens half the time is you find someone who's willing to do the work, but they're a terrible culture match. And they just create this cancer within the company where the culture um, take, it runs away from you. It's not being intentional. And so that's what we do really good, I think, when we're hiring. Most of the time, I've, I've missed it sometimes, but we've not followed process sometimes. And when we've done that, the culture match wasn't good. But uh, culture match is critical. And, and I, I know when we're hiring people, we kind of put you through the paces. It's not, it's not usually, I mean, it's a little bit different with you. But it's not usually, um, hey, you apply, we do an interview, and then we make a decision. It's usually two, three, four rounds of interviews. We put you through real tests. We have you do videos, and by the end of it, you just know they're an awesome person. So, good question, Yeah, I think I think culture fit, and then their ability to learn too. I think you you hire an attitude as well, I mean, yep. how willing somebody is to learn something. That's kind of how I came on. It's like, you know, how much are you willing to learn? How much of a challenge are you up for? Not how much can you do at this very moment? Yep. What can we teach you? And dude, and, and and kind of close out my remarks on Mason's thing is most of the people in our company. Um, they're doing work that before Carrot they had never done before. Um, you know, if you look at, at Brady, uh, I saw a lot of potential in him that he didn't see how to use his skill set in a way, to, uh, his love for music, in a way that 
that was different than what he had thought. So he's doing a lot of podcast stuff and video stuff, and, and, and there's there's things in there that really help him latch on to some of that love that he's got for music and music production, which is personal to him. Yeah. Um, and other people like Mason, he'd never done online tech support. He'd never really built websites and stuff like that. Joaquin, same thing. Joaquin comes from the from the live event world. He's working events like Coachella and stuff like that. And then he was a, a, a coach, uh, a running coach. And, uh, you know, he, he did some marketing on his own, but he'd never really done this stuff. And so I think if you find the right people, they have the aptitude to do the work. You put them in training, which we need to do that better. And uh, they're going to put out great work. If you haven't listened to the podcast we did, was it three or four weeks ago? Did a podcast on how to, I don't remember the title, business versus passion, something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, how business can fill your passion and the difference between having the business be your passion and what it means to have it fill your passion. So go check that out. And we talk a little bit more about that, about how you can, you know, find people and give them a job, give them an opportunity where they can do things uh, that they love and you can have your employees find happiness in their job. So it's an awesome podcast. Uh, next question. So passionate about marketing or even if you're not passionate you're, you're a great marketer so why is it I've heard you say this before why is it every entrepreneur's job to be a marketer why is it important for uh, the guy that owns the convenience store the insurance agent the real estate the agent investor uh, the dentist why does everybody have to be a marketer um, or do they well I mean they, they they don't but someone in the company has to be right so if if you're the founder of the company and you're not going to really learn marketing, really learn how to create an amazing product, an amazing offer, how to craft all that and get the word out to people and, and join the conversation that's already going on in their mind and solve the problem, if you're not going to learn how to do that, then someone else in the company has to. Otherwise, you're going to end up being that, you know, the just the, the broke entrepreneur that has an amazing product but no one wants to buy it because no one knows about it. And I think there's way more companies out there like that that are. I mean, look at look at artists, man. Artists, art is so subjective. Um, I would argue that oftentimes the current artists today, the ones who are paid the most, are the best marketers. They're not yeah. the best artists per se. I mean, maybe the, maybe 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 in some cases you can clearly tell this person. No one in the world can do it. Can do it. I would do. totally agree. For the vast majority of them, and if they're not a great marketer, then they're the exception. I think the the minority is the ones who are great artists, and they don't know a dang thing about marketing. Yeah. And it's because they just put everything into their voice or their instrument. Yeah. And, and and they think that because you have a great product, that automatically it's just gonna it's gonna be found. You know, it's just like <clears throat> you look at American Idol all the time, and or any of those shows like that, where you find these people who are just world-class talent stuck in a small town somewhere, but they didn't have the marketing machine to make them big. So a lot of people just sit there with their, their amazing talent or their amazing product, and they think, well, it's awesome. Because it's so awesome, people are going to find me. You know, I'm going to get my break, but you have to create your own break. Um, with Carrot, you know, we, we, we've always had a really good product, but out of the gates, our product wasn't amazing. We had really, really good marketing, and then we backed it up with the product that worked. That worked. Um, and I think a really good example of this too is there's companies that were started in our industry that were direct competitors of ours that were started about the same time that um, and we charge more than they do because we add more value. Um, and and in one case, our, our business is five to six times larger. We started the exact same year, a head-to-head -head competing product, 
Um, our products, I mean, our product results are better. That's one of the reasons we grew because the results, the product actually fulfills it. Um, but our marketing was just so much better. You know, we, we got the word out to people. And before we knew, we controlled the market. A couple things on the marketing, though, if you guys want to learn, well, how do you become a great marketer? There's a million books on it, but here's the essence of it, okay? Um, That's good. This was already going to be my next question. Well, there we what's, go. What's the one concept, the best takeaway? There like, we go. So anybody. There, there's, and I'll, I'll give you guys two different ways to think about it, because I've got a bunch of different kind of marketing frameworks in my mind that I'm always thinking through. Um, and then there's going to be some tactics I'm going to throw out to you. And each one, any one of these can be like a, a massive thing for you if you really pick it up and take it for what it is. Um, the first thing with marketing is, is, and I made this mistake in a big way, and sometimes I'll catch myself making the mistake again and I have to pull myself back out. Um, the natural tendency for people uh, when they're marketing something is they want to look at the features in the thing. Like as an example, let's say we're driving this truck and the truck can haul whatever, you know, I'm just making it up, but let's say it can haul 10,000 pounds or something like that. And then it's got this, this cool stuff over here and it's got these fancy wheels or whatever it is. What happens most of the time is in our marketing, we, we want to point out the features. We want to point out, hey, this truck can haul 10,000 pounds. Hey, this truck has these amazing looking wheels. Hey, look at all this stuff. Um, but that's not what people care about. People care about what the feature can do for them. So you need to talk about benefits. And that was something that took me a year or two to really latch onto is think about benefits first and, and bring in features uh, next, okay? So in this case, rather than saying, hey, this truck can tow 10,000 pounds, you might, you might show a picture or a video of a, of a truck towing a, a big old huge boat, which illustrates the 10,000 pounds, okay? And then you can say, tow, you know, tow, this, uh, tow, tow anything with this truck and, you know, enjoy enjoy your lifestyle, whatever it is. Like, what are the benefits? Why would someone want to tow that much weight? And then make sure you bring that up in it. Uh, another thing, so features, not benefits. So we've got this, I don't know if you've ever looked at it. I'm sorry, benefits, not features. I don't know if you've ever looked at it, Brady, in our boardroom. We've got that little Super Mario poster. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, so uh, people don't buy... People don't buy products, people buy better versions of themselves. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That, that's the next concept, which goes hand in hand with the last one I talked about, the benefits, not features, is people, just like Brady said, people don't buy products, they buy better versions of themselves. So we've got this picture of Super Mario, and on the left side of it, Super Mario is his normal Mario, like the normal size, and, and it shows an evolution of Mario. It's probably not very super. It's probably just regular Mario. Yeah, that's just Mario. Or so Mario. Super Mario. Exactly. So Mario's there on the left side, just kind of running through the game, right? And then um, on the right side of the of the whole thing, you see the uh, so yeah Mario in front of him is the flower right like the flower coming out of the tube, and then on the right side of the picture is the Super Mario that's throwing fireballs. Okay, now what most people would do is they would try to sell the flower. They would say, "Look at this amazing flower I've got. It's fresh." And da 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 da. -da. But instead, you would sell the the bigger version of yourself. So you would say, "Hey." You know, this game's hard, and one of the best ways to beat this game is through the flamethrowers. Like, the, this this character can't beat it, and this character can't beat it, and you're almost unstoppable when you have the fireballs. You can run through there, and you can actually eliminate people without having to jump on their heads. You can throw a fireball all the way across the screen, and it's going to actually help you live throughout the game 90% longer. Uh, if you All you have to do to get that fireball is just jump on this thing and get that flower. Like, that's what it is. So... With carrot, you know what's what's the example for carrot? So with carrot, it's not hey we have websites and hey we have websites that are search engine optimized and da 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 da. The benefit is you know what, 
it's really hard as a real estate investor or agent to get to, and it's really hard to have consistent business. And the one thing that helps you have consistent business is first of all, not wrecking the highway. But the one thing that helps you have consistent business is consistent lead flow. Now, I think we all, we'll all agree that predictable, consistent, momentum-building lead flow is what we want. We all want consistent, predictable, momentum-building lead flow. When we have momentum, it goes upwards all the time. It doesn't boom and bust. Well, what we can do with Carrot is we help you get ranked really high in Google uh, through our content marketing tools and through our SEO tools and our, our high-converting framework. Uh, we help you convert more of your visitors into leads so you can actually profit more dollars from the marketing that you're doing. You can work less if you want to, uh, or you can just have more, more money in the bank. And we have amazing support, so it's going to save you tons of time. You can spend that time with your family more, or you can spend the time out in the field a lot more. So it's only 99 bucks for all of that, for consistency, predictability, momentum, and just the support of everything that you get. That's a lot better than saying, hey, come buy a website from us for 99 bucks a month. Because we are truly providing all this benefit, and it happens, you get the benefit by it. All you gotta do is just go sign up for this plan and do the stuff, follow the plan. All right. It's um, good stuff. Yeah, cool. It's good. Ashley says, people don't buy, so Simon Sinek, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. That's totally true, and so we had Care Camp here recently, and. Uh, I was shooting some testimonials, getting some feedback from our Carrot campers and asking them what they liked, what they loved about it, and, and getting feedback about Carrot the product. And one of the things that, one of the common recurring things was, we just love Carrot. Like, we just love the team, we love the company, we love your guys' attitude, you know, the way support is. Uh, they, they have buy-in. They, buy, they, uh, they line up with our values and our mission and our why. So yeah, that's definitely key too. And, and when you when you market that way, oftentimes people will buy stuff for good or for worse that they, <laughs> they don't even know what they're buying, right? Yeah. Because they're just like, I just want whatever is like this thing. I just want the benefit that it seems like you guys are providing. I want to be in that world. Um, and you'll see companies like that 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 for some reason people pay way more money for or for for coffee. You know, to Starbucks than they did any other coffee company before Starbucks came in, and and uh, part of it was the premium um, service. You know, as far as like it's almost like a living room, and it's just, it's an experience. You're paying for an experience, not for coffee. Right. But also, they do have a why behind it. You know, they're a very socially conscious company. Um, if you look at let's say uh, Starbucks versus uh, my coffee in town, like I love my coffee in town, but. They fundamentally attract different people. We were talking about this. I can't remember you was talking with about it, but if you go into Starbucks, you're going to see some overlap. And I'll go into Starbucks every now and then. But there's a fundamentally different crowd that's attracted to a Starbucks than um, than my coffee, and not in a good way. Or hey, we're back. We are back. We're right. driving through the mountains right now. So if we drop out again, don't worry. We'll come back on. And even if we don't come back on live. We'll post it later, podcast, YouTube, Facebook. So, I'm going to throw some random ones in there. This, might, this is a question for me. What's your favorite Kickstarter? What's Favorite Kickstarter? Favorite Kickstarter campaign. Something you saw and you're like, that is freaking the awesome. The only one that I ever bought. Like, So, this is the only Kickstarter. I've never bought a Kickstarter. This is the only one I ever bought. <clears throat> there are a lot that I, would, that I wanted to buy, but I never did. Uh, so, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite one, then I'll tell you the only one I ever bought. My favorite one, but I couldn't justify the purchase was this cooler out of this company in Portland. Did you see that one? No. Oh, cool. what was it called, man? Was it a Yeti? Was it $800? It was like four or 500 bucks. Yeah. 
Um, but it had like a blender in it. It had a radio in it. It had all this crazy. It was called the coolest. It was called the, the coolest. coolest. Okay. And they sold it. It broke records all over the place, and they sold millions of dollars in this thing. And then they ended up having a big backlash because manufacturing and stuff, ah. which kind of sucked. They sold. I mean, it was literally like eight or nine million dollars in these coolers. Um, that's probably my favorite because the marketing behind it was ingenious. The whole thing, the product was great, but they didn't have the manufacturing taken care of. It. Okay, so honestly, did you buy it because you really wanted the cooler, or because you're a marketing nerd and they did such a good job with it? Well, marketing? I didn't buy that. That was my favorite. Oh, okay. That was my you favorite, did, but I never buy bought it. it because I thought, man, it's, I already have a cooler and I don't need one that has a blender on it. The only one that I ever bought was actually the exact opposite of it. It was like six bucks or ten bucks or something like that. Uh, Might have been twenty. I don't remember. Styrofoam disposable. No, it That's was. Uh, it was something called the Bropener, and it was, it was these guys who, they, uh, they're like, well... Oh, that. It's in our, it's yeah, in it's, our office. It's on the counter, it's on the counter yeah. edge. It's just this little piece of metal that's milled, and it has an edge on it, and then it has this really sticky thing, you can stick it to any surface, and it's a magnet, so you put your bottle on the end of it, and their whole, their whole thesis was... Rather than having to, if you're at a party or whatever and you don't have a bottle opener with you, rather than having to take it and bang it on the end of the counter and break something like chip off the counter or try to use your teeth or whatever, you just put these bro openers in places and you put the bottle cap on there and give it a pop and then it sticks to it because it's the magnet. It works, but man, it like cracks your knuckles when you do it. Dude, my favorite, my favorite Kickstarter was a no phone. Did you ever see a no phone? No phone, you got a cell phone addiction. It's a it's a rubber brick shaped just like an iPhone. It's all black. It's like nine ninety nine. They sold tons of them. Really? That's I mean, funny. hundreds of thousands of no phones, and then you could get the no phone plus, and then the upsell was the no phone selfie, so you could get it with a, with a mirrored finish. Oh, really? So you could do selfies. Oh, that's funny. Get, yeah, doubles as a mirror. <laughs> Well, yeah, what are they doing? The mark now is just it was just a just a gimmicky marketing thing. It was genius because yeah, like, funny. you know, are you sick of carrying around like a real cell phone? Or are you, you know, you, they were basically like making fun of cell phone addiction and saying, yeah. instead, carry around this weight. You know, it's gotcha. like you're trying to quit smoking and you start chewing carrots or something. <laughs> it's, it's like that. That's good. Um, let's see what else we got. You got the opportunity to wrestle wrestle any animal, not if you had to, if you got the opportunity to wrestle any animal what would it be to wrestle an animal wrestle, wrestle an animal and I was talking about this with Josh this morning and like an aggressive wrestle or a playful wrestle it can be an aggressive wrestle but <laughs> neither of you get hurt so dude I want to wrestle with a koala bear cause you might feel bad if Co- you win in koala the, bear for sure a koala bear yeah it'd be, it'd be like a it'd be like a playful laughing wrestle <laughs> Like slow motion video. I feel like wrestling a, with the koala bear. There's a meme coming now. I feel oh, like yeah, there's going to be sure. a piece of content in the future with koala. A bear koala wrestling. bear or like a legit brown bear or something like that. Baby brown bear. Like a oh, baby, baby brown bear. That'd be kind of fun. Dude, brown bear rolls over on me and I'm dead. I will yep. not wrestle a 400 pound brown bear. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What else we got? What's the number one thing that prevents most young entrepreneurs from achieving their goals? I think I know what the answer is. I want to hear your take on this. Yeah. It's the number one thing. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there, there's a lot, right? Like, there's yeah. so many, but uh, the number one thing is people are too afraid to start and then they don't stick with it when they do. Um, and, and that first failure then scares them to start again. And I see that happen a lot where... People are like, well, you know, I've got, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it this shot and do this thing, and then if it doesn't work, I can fall back and get a job. 
guys, if you already have that mindset of I'm going to try this thing and I'm going to see if I can make it work and I'm, and I, I'm going to fall back and get a job, you're going to fall back and get a job. Like that's just what's going to happen. And so you haven't committed that you're going to make it work. I know um, when I started, that was my original mindset out of college is I said, I'm going to give myself a full year. It wasn't, hey, I'm going to try this business out because a lot of us uh, trying a business out might be a half-assed effort of trying a couple of tactics and they don't work. You get discouraged and go, ah, well, that didn't work. But I, I put a very finite time period on my on my um, try, trial period of becoming an entrepreneur back in 2000, I guess it would have been like 2006, seven. Um, and I said, I'm going to give myself a year. And that gave me a year to try and fail in a lot of things. So it wasn't, hey, I'm going to try this one business. It was, I'm going to give myself a year to not get a job and I'm going to do whatever it takes to finally figure out how to make money on my own. Yeah. And so I tried like a lot of things. I was working with my uncle Larry, uh, doing some marketing with him and, and their mortgage company. That was kind of paying, you know, uh, the, you know, the crux of my, of many living expenses out of my credit card. Um, and then I tried probably five, six different business ideas that year. Uh, some of them were half-assed effort. Some of them oh, made money, but I discovered I didn't want to do it. And then, you know, the internet and building businesses online and learning marketing is kind of what stuck. I'm like, okay, I think I like this thing. So that's the biggest thing is people aren't taking a chance on themselves. They think the risk of trying is the biggest risk. The risk of not trying is the biggest risk because you're going to get to be 30, 35, 40, 45 years old looking back wishing that you would have taken that chance on yourself. That's the biggest risk. Oh, yeah. I can live with that regret. Yep. And I think, so Mason said, it's got to be consistency. Mason's spot on. Uh, Kara says follow through, spot on. Kara's got her own business, so she knows what's up. Um, and I think I think another thing I see is people not looking at why they failed. I mean, you got to know yeah. that failure is normal. Failure can be healthy. I mean, you just got to go through it sometimes. But people don't pull back. And, you know, I think one of the worst things you can do is assume, like, oh, it must have been me. It must have been something wrong with me. Maybe it was my pitch. Maybe my vision was off. It might have been something really simple. Yeah. You know, it might be something that you can improve in a matter of a couple months and try again. Maybe a marketing thing, a sales thing. And I think people too, man. They they try to make their their first business idea too perfect, oh, yeah. and they go, man, I I'm, I want to make it towards this one thing. And it's on this idea, and da 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 da. And I I'm more about just taking action and trying things because you're gonna learn you're gonna learn how to market through the process. You're gonna learn how to do product testing. You're gonna learn you're gonna learn all that stuff. You know and and so when, when people have all of their mental capacity bought into this one idea and that one idea doesn't work, uh, all of their mental capacity is bought into that one idea and it doesn't work and they get discouraged. Rather than, um, like I said, rather than um, if, this, if this idea doesn't work, I'll go back and get a job, it's okay. What I'm buying into is the entrepreneurial lifestyle of finding problems and creating solutions for the problems and seeing if, if, if people will find value of it and buy it. And that doesn't tie me down to any one business. So if this one doesn't work, cool. I'm going to cut ties and go over and do this other thing. And I have no emotional attachment to it at all. Hmm. That's awesome. After, like, to the start of it, I have like little to no emotional attachment to that initial idea, seeing if it works, and I move on. Once it gets growing, like Carrot, of course there's emotional attachment to this company. It's it's more than just an idea now. Uh, so I want to segue into another question. But first, Ashley, she says, I got pregnant. We had bills to pay, life got serious quick, started Superior Drywall Company in 2001, still living the dream. Actually, that's awesome. That's 18, that's 18 years yeah. for a drywall company, for contractors, through a recession, 
and in a small uh, rural town in Oregon. That's amazing. And people are always going to need drywall as long as <laughs> as long as drywall is continuing to be used in, in construction. So that'd be the thing that I would always look at is is always look ahead at the trends and say and look is there ever a point when drywall will, will be obsolete with the new product? So that's what we're doing right now with Carrot is I'm looking like three, four, five, ten years out and going, um, I can see I can see a world where a website as it currently is today is not a website. So like, what's our next thing? How do we make sure we're staying ahead of this? So that's my advice there is maybe drywall is still gonna be the thing that people put in their walls before they put paint over it and texture for the next 30 years, or maybe something else might come take it over you know, just like other products that happen lately. And I would guess, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark here, I would guess one of the biggest reasons you've been in business for 18 years is because you call people back. You know how many drywallers I called in Rosewood from my house and never got a single call back? Oh, yeah, I'll get back to you next week. It's like, I know you're not busy. Give me a call back. I need a drywaller. Yeah. Um, yeah, hit me up. And same thing with agents and investors, man. You know how many investors we hear all the time? It's like, yeah, I just can't get back to people or how many leads, how many deals they miss out on because they just don't call people back. Or they're saying the marketing doesn't work. Man, these leads are, are bad, oh, yeah. da, da, da. And then we say, well, cool, so are you answering the calls live? No, we call them back 10 minutes later. They think that's fast. Within that 10 minutes, they've already called another person and that person booked an appointment. You need to you need to answer those things live. Oh, yeah. You need to get back to them fast. If your website sucks, you got a crappy website, they're bouncing quick. Yep. Um, all right, next one. Let's see. What do we got? Um, oh, this isn't on the paper. One thing I want to ask you. So you have, you got a couple of businesses currently that you're involved in and you've started multiple businesses in the past. What was that like, you know, cutting ties with those businesses and finally deciding to say, all right, I'm going to go all in on one thing. Was that, I know there had to be some difficulty there. What was the hardest part about that? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's kind of a series of, of, of a few things. So the first one, I think, there's a flawed mindset that a lot of people have uh, that the serial entrepreneur is this thing to glorify. Now, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying that our definition of serial entrepreneurship is oftentimes wrong. And here's what I thought. I thought a, a, a serial entrepreneur, and I thought it was cool having a bunch of different businesses. I thought that's what a serial entrepreneur was, is that they have all these businesses, and they're doing all these cool things. Man, it's so amazing. And um, what I failed to recognize early on was because you look at guys like Richard Branson who owns like 300 and something companies, right? You go, man, he can do it. People keep on telling me I need to focus on one thing. Like that's BS. I, I like this, I like this, I like this, and I can do all those. And I think they're good. Branson does it. He's my example there. I can do it. The difference is he's, he doesn't run any of his companies. He doesn't run any of them. He's not clocking into the office and sitting down at a desk and have you know, 12 direct reports reporting to him. Uh, he owns the companies, but he doesn't run them. And that was a much different thing that I was doing. So originally I had a lot of emotional investment because I was running all the companies, uh, some of them very, very badly. And I didn't never really gave any of them a, a good shot because I didn't have my full focus on them um, after they had started. So I wouldn't say there was like a lot of emotional attachment to the businesses themselves. I mean, there's some nostalgia you know, like with the publishing company, all the products that I worked my butt off oh, yeah. on building and the brands and, and things like that. We still have some of those home study courses in my office. I mean, there's the nostalgia of it. Yeah. Uh, I got over that pretty pretty quick once I had a bigger vision. Um, right. The first software company I was a part of, that one, I had a big vision for that software company. It's called Automize with a, a good friend of mine and former business partner, Chris Persson. 
and that partnership just ended up not, not working out because we're like exactly alike. Yeah. <laughs> so that's before I knew Colby score and all that stuff, man. <laughs> we were just too too much alike to to be co-owning a business together. It's funny how many times you disagree with someone when you're when you're so similar like that. How hard it is to do partnerships like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say there was like a lot of emotional attachment, man. I, I think the biggest thing was the identity of the, the detaching from the fact that I was a serial entrepreneur and putting right. more stock into the fact of I'm gonna be a focused entrepreneur now and build something special versus build lots of different things. Right, and I I hate the word ego. I think that like oh I've never struggled with ego, but I think every one of us struggles with ego to some degree and. And that's part of it. You know, I was having a conversation with someone this week on that, on that podcast I was telling you about, and, and we're talking about, like, how important it is when you're starting something out, when you're building a business, when you're going into anything, how important it is to have that why. So that why, your mission was what drove you to create Carrot. Like, I need to build a business with these non-negotiables. You had really clear non-negotiables. You had a really clear mission. You had core values. And a lot of people, they they go build something. I've, I've done this. You go build something because it looks cool, because somebody else did it. Like you said, Richard Branson's doing it. And they see what other people are doing, and they're thinking from the outside, oh, that looks awesome. And then they go do the thing. But I think it's really important to not get tripped up by what other people are doing, especially with social media. We get so distracted by what everyone else is doing. You really got to figure out why you're doing something and what that actually looks like. Yep. Um, what's your favorite Kool-Aid I've had Kool-Aid forever, dude. I seem to remember like some sort of blue Kool-Aid that I liked. I don't remember. Is that like a raspberry or something? Uh, Josh and I were talking about it. What is it, Josh? It's a... Whoever can whoever can guess the Kool-Aid flavor, let me know. Was, I think it was blue raspberry. Blue raspberry? I don't know. I just remembered it, but I'm not going to say it. They're all good. I want, I want somebody to shout out the name of that Kool-Aid, and we'll send you something cool. Ah! <laughs> Oh, so, so many bad puns. Yeah, we're going to send you a bunch of carrot-flavored Kool-Aid. Um, so you drink the Kool-Aid? Uh, the, the, the carrot Kool-Aid. You drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. Um, Austin from Engineering. So Austin's a guy on our team. He's, a, he's very into Japanese culture. Austin wants to know, what's your favorite anime? <laughs> I was gonna say. I was really nervous I to can't ask. Wait, I can't wait to see Austin's question here. I was nervous dude. to ask him. I'm like, I don't know if I want to ask him what he wants to ask Trevor. I didn't even know what anime was, dude, until like a year ago. I honestly thought it was some sort of like Japanese porn or something. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Um, and so, I, whatever Austin likes, man, I, I support your anime, buddy. Um, I now realize it's not a weird form of Japanese porn or something, uh, it's an art. Uh, cartoons. So whatever the heck it is that you like, man. Uh, Josh says Mountberry. I'm pretty sure Josh is right. Kara says Blue Raspberry. Mason, Blue Raspberry Lemonade. They didn't have fancy Blue Raspberry Lemonade when I was growing up. We had to mix them together. I don't know what kind of fancy Kool-Aid they have. Um, oh, Josh Josh says as well. He wants to know, this is a multiple choice. Which team in Kara is your favorite? You got a, success. <laughs> B, success. C, not sales or D <laughs> all of the above. oh man yeah you know what you gotta answer um there's no right answer man like so I'm gonna I'm gonna piece it apart right here if the engineering team went away we wouldn't have a product anymore so therefore we wouldn't have a business yeah if the customer success team went away would went away we'd be selling lots of people but no one would have success <laughs> so therefore we'd have a lot of people leaving and it'd be miserable because we wouldn't have a bunch of customers to interact with and have fun with 
if marketing went away, we'd have no one using our product. So therefore, engineering and if we if marketing went away, guys, we wouldn't have anyone to use the product nor the money to hire amazing people. If services went away, our highest end clients would have to leave us. Um, if sales went away, our highest end clients wouldn't be able to join us. It's like I don't know, it's just none of them, man. They're, they're all they're all unique too because they all have different personalities. Dude, the right answer was marketing. You gotta say growth team. <laughs> That's right. That's definitely the one I've spent the most time on. Well, that customer success, man. I mean, my younger brother Kyle and I. Yeah. Him and I. I did live chat for years, dude. So this is a funny. We do have like like industry record? I don't know. No, we do. Like this, but like our NPS scores. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, what Joaquin had was in the first week with a hundred percent chat rating over like dozens of chats. One hundred percent of everyone gave him an excellent rating that that week, which has never happened in the history of Carrot. But this is kind of funny. So unrelated but related is um, when we started Carrot, and I, and I thought I, I thought it was unique in this until I started to talk to a bunch of other software company owners, and I discovered that like, they like all did it. Is when you start the company, you have this little. Uh, oftentimes you have this little complex in your mind going, well, if people think that, that the owner's in live chat, they're going to think that it's not a legitimate business, right? right. So for the first couple of years, I was in live chat all the time. And uh, my brother Kyle was helping me in this back, back you know, late 2013, early 14. Then we brought Jake in um, once Kyle left. But I was actually Kevin in live chat. So I'm like, well, I can't be, the owner can't be in live chat. And it was this dumb thing because now I love being in live chat. And I realize now that people will see that, man, the owner really, really cares. And before I thought it was this diminishing thing that, you know, you must be a really, really small company. Therefore, we're not going to work with you if your owner also is in live chat with it. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to create a persona. I've got a couple of really good friends named Kevin. They're awesome, awesome guys. So mine's <laughs> going to be named Kevin. And then I went on to Google. If any of you are, have been with Carrot since like 2014, you might have spoken to Kevin. If you did, you spoke to me. Uh, not, <laughs> Kevin Mock? Yeah, not in person, but in chat. And so I went online. I'm like, man, what it, what does my Kevin look like? Yeah, I, I got to I get to like invent a character, man. So did you just go to Google Images and I type did. in Kevin? Well, no. I'm like, <laughs> what what does my Kevin look like? He's probably gonna be outdoorsy. He's probably probably like late 20s, early 30s. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe even like a picture outside. So I just typed in like outdoor guy or a bunch of things. I found a picture of Kevin. I made that as avatar. But then I was up in Toronto. I was up in Toronto a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of other software company owners. And we were at dinner with uh, like Todd, Todd uh, Dickerson from ClickFunnels mm. and um, Ryan Levesque from Ask Method, Ryan Dice and um, Dan Martell. And we we're all at dinner and stuff. Or a lunch, or we were, we were, I don't remember when we were all sitting down talking about it. But one by one, it came out that all of us had a live chat avatar that was somebody else, uh, Chris Brisson. And uh, he told a story actually where his live chat avatar got him in trouble big time because it was, it was a lady, uh, his avatar was a lady. And uh, the, the, his avatar, him, he forgot to follow through on processing a refund for a client. And that client showed up at his office door one day, and the, the business was just him, and then his developer was over, like, in, in uh, Atlanta. And so he's in the office, this little tiny office in Florida. And I hope, hope you don't mind him telling the story, Chris. And uh, and he said someone knocked on the door, and it was this, you know, this gal was there at the door. 
and she basically said, um, is whatever his avatar's name was, let's just say, you know, let's just say it's Mary, I don't remember what it was, it, it, is, is Mary here? And Chris is like, uh, Mary, like, it's him, you know, you <laughs> can't tell her that. We don't have a Mary. Yeah, and he goes, oh, well, Mary's remote, and she doesn't work here, and she goes, well, this Mary lady, um, Chris goes, I'm the owner, and this Mary lady has said three times she's going to give me this refund, and da-da-da, and Chris just got busy, just didn't fall through on it. He's a low, lower fall-through, kind of like, he's a higher fall-through than I am, but he's a high star low fall-through. And so then out of the corner uh, comes this big dude, this big muscular guy out from behind the door, <laughs> and, he, and he says something like the effect of, of, he goes, I don't care who does it, but this refund better be processed today, otherwise da 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 Oh, no. And then Chris kind of slinked back. He's like, yeah, I'll go talk to Mary about it. And then he had realized in that moment that, that was a massive integrity issue that he had to deal mm. with. And um, I, I did too. That's why eventually I had to fire Kevin. And for him, they, they had to kill off Mary. And uh, so Mary was no longer. But I think that's something that we oftentimes do in business. I'll finish it with this. is We think that when we're small, that we have to act, make ourselves look big. Um, but oftentimes, really, our clients just want us to be authentic and genuine and solve their problem. And they don't care if we're big or small. And so if you're, if you're a real estate investor and you're walking around in your one-man show or one-woman show and you think that, you know, because you don't have a big team that you're at a disadvantage, I think, I think you play it up. You play up the fact that you're a one-person team, that you're going to talk to them every time, that you're going to, here's my cell phone number. I'm going to give you personalized service. I only work with a couple, one or two clients at a time, and I'm going to put a lot of attention towards Does everybody you. feel special? Does everybody feel special. <laughs> and so quit saying, like, we. You know, if you're a one-person team, quit saying, yeah, here's what we do. I know there's some advice where people say, well, yeah, just say we instead of I. No, like, if you're just a one-person team, you know, just say, say, here's what I do. Don't say, here's what our company does, and here's what we, like, who's the hour? It's just you. Quit saying that to try to make your company look bigger than it is because you're going to run into integrity issues. People are going to read through it most of the time anyways. Yep, and I've done all that stuff. And, and I can tell you that it's way, way better just having full integrity and and speaking to exactly your real situation and playing it up just like my friend Ben Settle says. Uh, ben Settle, amazing copywriter, uh, world, world-class copywriter and marketer. He said that um, you know people in life and business... We try to hide our skeletons in our closet, like the things that that we think that people would look at as a negative on us, right? A detractor. And he said what businesses should do is you need to take those skeletons out of the closet and make them dance. You need to take those skeletons, those things that you think are detractors, that I'm really small or or whatever it is, take them out and put them out front and, and make them as a benefit to working with you. Make it a good thing. Call it out so they don't find it. Uh, first, you find it and give it to them first, but make it a benefit to them. Hey, we're a one-person. I'm a one. We're, I'm a one-person team here. I'm really passionate about this. Here's how I can help you better, better service. Da 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 da. Yeah. Let's talk. I, I think the best example I've seen that <clears throat> of that was a, uh, in a in a marketing case was Kylie slacked through this this picture. Remember, it was a ski resort. It was oh yeah. A, this is a ski resort making their skeletons dance. I think that's an example of it. Right? Yeah. So Very they, good. They got a they got a one star review. Took us one star review. Said something along the lines of, "This is the most dangerous ski resort I've ever been to. Double black diamonds everywhere. <clears throat> I couldn't even tell where the trees were, where they weren't. It was so difficult, so complex. I was scared the entire time. I did not enjoy myself. <clears throat> something like that. They take that one star review 
put it over this sweet image of a dude just like, I don't know, dude, there's no ground beneath him, yeah. speed to the air. Put it over that, and they use that as the hero, they use that as the header of their website. Just, you go to their website, bam, it's right on the yep. homepage. I mean, that's knowing your your customer, that's knowing your niche, and yep. I just thought that was so awesome. Yeah, it was like, good. This is one star review. Yeah. Um, sweet, so we're about to wrap it. I was gonna say we're gonna wrap it, but we got one good question you gotta answer. Uh, Ashley Hicks, is that good? Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the CarrotCast. Don't forget, this is just part one of a two-part episode of the Trevor Truck Talk Takeover. So if you're looking for the second one, go back to your podcast app and find that second episode. And uh, yeah, I hope you all have an awesome day. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Uh, shoot us a DM, shoot us a message, a Facebook, Instagram, email, whatever. And we'd just love to hear what you guys want to hear more of and what you enjoy most about the CarrotCast and what resonates with you. Thanks again for being a listener. If you haven't left left us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, go ahead and do that. It means the world to us, and we just love to uh, see that and hear that this podcast is making an impact on you guys. All right, have an awesome day, and we'll see you soon.